Welcome to Talking Beyond Business, the podcast that explores the intersection of sustainability, corporate responsibility, and business success. In this series, presented by Bearing Point, we'll be discussing the most meaningful sustainability issues of our time, how businesses are addressing climate change, the importance of female equity and representation in the business world, and the ways that businesses can commit to using their power for good while transitioning to more sustainable ways of operations and working. Welcome to the first episode in our series. I'm your host, Chris Quinn, and today we will focus on gender equity and female empowerment in the consulting industry. We'll explore how to move from a male-dominated culture to inclusive leadership, discussing the tangible benefits for individuals and businesses alike. I'm thrilled to be joined by our diversity advocates, Melanie Tobler and Matthias Lubick. Just to set the stage for our discussion today, Bearing Point is in the midst of a years-long diversity and inclusion programme that is summarised under the acronym DIVE. That's diversity, inclusion, variety and equity. The goal is to build and maintain an environment where talent can thrive. From this perspective, gender diversity in staff, leadership and decision-making is business critical. Melanie Tobler is a partner at Bearing Point, active in the automotive industry. In addition, she fills the role of the global sponsor for Dive and is leading the charge for the organisation to meet its sustainability goals for higher female representation. Our second guest is Matthias Lubick, also partner at Bearing Point, but in addition, currently leading the European Consulting Association, FIACO. As such, Matthias is invited to bring the perspective and discussion points for the consulting industry as a whole. Melanie, it's great to have you here. Could you briefly explain your responsibilities at Bearing Point? Sure. So I joined Bearing Point France in 2007 and since 2012, I'm working in our Munich office for the automotive team. Since then, I'm mainly working in and leading big process and IT transformation projects for automotive OEMs and most specifically for one of our major clients. Concerning DIVE, I was actively involved since the founding of our Women at Bearing Point Network in 2016, so which is one of our initiatives under the roof of DIVE. And in becoming a partner, I took over our firm-wide DIVE sponsorship role. So this, this role is mainly about promoting our activities and measures in the partnership and in external and internal communications as well as being the person bringing impulses to our different initiatives. Thanks, Melanie. Um, Matthias, could you share what your role is at Bearing Point too, please? Yes, of course. So within Bearing Point, or I joined Bearing Point 25 years ago, and um, since then have been la- leading on the one hand large-scale business transformation projects with diverse teams on a global level. In parallel, I'm currently responsible for our um, global operations, specifically in China and the US. And as you can imagine, um, these cultural differences are, of course, also um, a relevant part of, of my day-to-day work. And being the, the, the chairman of FEACO is, is a little bit different role where um, the leading consulting or associations in Europe are combined on a European level in order not only to discuss challenges, 
but also how the consulting industry evolves and and um, needs to change going forward. Great. So you both have dual responsibilities there. Uh, and thank you very much for those introductions. Uh, Melanie, your dive sponsorship role at Bearing Point is giving you the opportunity to make a real difference. Um, can you expand on what that means to you personally? I mean, like diversity and equity is an important topic for me in my private and in my professional life. Like I'm living in a multicultural family. I'm a full-time working mom of a one and a four-year-old in Germany. And like I'm a female partner in an else exclusively male industry leadership team. So it's a bit a special situation, you could say. On the other hand, like being asked to, to take the role as a dive sponsor um, and, and as well heading that female acceleration strategic priority is for me like a once in a lifetime occasion to have an impact on like so many people. I mean, our employees, we are more than 5,000 employees and what we're doing there can really change their life. So this is, um, I love it. Fantastic. And uh, could you tell me a little bit about the program's objectives and where the company is on, on its journey with Dive? Yeah, sure. Um, so the program is driven by our corporate strategy and by strategic priorities. So mainly twofold. We have people centricity on the one hand and female acceleration on the other. As you can imagine, both things are neutering themselves mutually yeah so concerning the first thing if you want to be people-centric um you need to focus on concepts such as belonging and empowerment so what we want to do is we want to make employees stay with us through different stages of their career and of their private life planning and we support this strategy through our dives initiatives with dedicated activities trainings development programs but this is really not only focusing on gender, um, but as well on aspects of sexual orientations, religious and cultural aspects, and as well on health-related ability um, aspects. And for the second one, female acceleration, this is a strategic priority. Um, we want to increase the female shares of staff. So by 2025, we seek to have 40% of the company staffed by women and make up 20% of our partners. And well, we are on our way. So we have increased the level of women in our workforce by 6% since 2020. And since uh, 2018, we have two female regional leaders who are mainly heading the biggest part of our business uh, in Europe. So, but if you combine both and you put in a nutshell what diversity, inclusion, variety and equity really means is that we are actively supporting and promoting a workplace where everybody can bring his, her authentic and best self. So it's all about not only accepting differences, but cherishing them and like proposing active support in an equitable way to whom might need it. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're cherishing individuality. And I also love that you guys aren't just talking the talk. It seems you're walking the walk and measuring success. 
So, Matthias, reflecting on your career and considering your FIACO involvement, how have things evolved and how significant are gender equity and female representation within the consulting sector as a whole? I think if you look back, um, there has been always a consistent pattern, which is that the war of talent um, has always been there and this is still true today. Um, if you look at also market studies, which have been recently conducted, um, approximately 80% of the CEOs on a global level see the availability of skills as one of the single biggest threat to their business. And this leads then, of course, to, to the another um, question is, how do you explore new paths, not only to attract and retain talent, and um, being able to include a more diverse workforce is key to do that. And specifically, if we are in a, in a knowledge-oriented business like consulting is, um, the diversity and inclusion aspects have even much more power than only closing a talent gap. Because for us, it is important to bring unique perspectives, new solutions to the table and discuss with our clients. And there, the diversity of teams um, definitely has a positive impact, not only on relevant business KPIs, but also on innovative thinking. And um, decision-making is, of course, always better if you have a diverse experience and background on the table. And, and last but not least, the, the, the value and skills of female leadership is something which, is really, which really matters for consulting. Um, just to refer to a study of the University of Cambridge, which uh, interviewed more than 300 people, 300,000 people in 57 countries. And um, this study actually found out that females are, on average, better in putting themselves in other shoes and imagine, imagining what others person is thinking or feeling. And this is specifically in the consulting space a very, very valuable skill um, to, to understand the impact and, and the analytics and potentially also decision-making in a client environment. Thanks for that. I can definitely empathise with that last point. Um, but what, what you're both saying is that um, celebrating differences and essentially making work a, a better place for individuals is great for them, but it also brings about better outcomes for the business and ultimately clients. Melanie, what are your thoughts? Can you expand upon why you want to focus on female leadership and share any advantages you've observed from having more women in leadership roles? Yeah, I would speak about diverse leadership uh, then maybe more than about that specific female because like we women are not the same neither. So I think the overall target is to not only having copycats in, in leadership, this is extremely relevant because representation and leadership matters. So you set the direction and what a leader reflects has a really huge influence. And this should never be one dimensional. If you look at it from a scientific point of view, and Matthias already gave some examples as well, it just leads to a more creative problem solving, innovation, enhanced reputation and brand image and 
if you look at like the recent study on Fortune 1000 companies, those led by women do outperform the market significantly. And if you come down from that female leadership situation and, and if you look really to women in staff, how as an employer do you want to convince female talents to stay with you if you do not show them how female or diverse leadership can be lived in, in comparison to what is like the traditional leadership so if, if you want employees to be motivated to achieve a leadership position and thus to support the growth of your company, you must give them the possibility to protect themselves. So if you don't, you will just not be attractive for kind of 50% of talents out there. And those that you have won in the first place might get lost somehow on the way. And this is beside what you can tell about innovation, creative thinking, reputation, and so on. This has just an enormous financial impact for consulting firms. So this is just their money. That's really interesting. Um, it seems that there is you know, potentially large negative impacts. But sadly, when we look at the statistics, it's still the case that female leadership is scarce and the 50% of the workforce that you mentioned in the United States, only 8% make up CEOs in the Standard & Poor's 500 and they make up less than a third of board seats. It's a sad situation. So why is this happening? What are the barriers? And it's even sadder in Germany. So good, good that you have looked at the US numbers, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no. Oh, my, oh, no. Oh, yes. So <laughs> actually, I see three main challenges. So the first one, it, there is a lack of equity. Really, historically, women have just not been existing in corporate cultural leadership or then being underrepresented in corporate cultures. And thus they, they need more support. Otherwise, they are just historically, traditionally not exposed to senior leaders and their opportunities for advancement are kind of limited due to that situation. The second one is that like structures and rules that govern in leadership positions like keyword male-dominated corporate culture really just rejects them. How would you envision yourself as a woman, Chris, in a male-dominated leadership team in which working hours seem just to have no limit and the entire family work is just delegated to your life partner back home? So they just don't see it. And finally, and this relates to the second point, women may face challenges balancing their career ambitions with their responsibilities outside work, which are like caregiving or, or family obligations. And really today, the largest percentage of care work is, is still performed by women. So they're kind of torn in that, you know, I need to do that, but I want to be present here. And it, it just ends up by giving up on something. And the most of the time it is then giving up on a whatever career to respond to, to some cultural norms. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when I speak to people in the workplace, we often talk about family and home life being more important than work, which is a great thing. 
But what you're saying is that culturally, historically, and given the dynamic of, of workplace, it's actually still quite a, a difficult place to live to live that life. Could you then perhaps tell me about what this means for companies looking to break down these barriers? Absolutely. So, I mean, overall, it is important to hear and then to see from the company leaders that equity and finally equal representations matters to the company to see and read that in a corporate strategy, to see it in promotions, to see it in the daily work environment. And then concerning my first point on equity, um, the lever in my eyes is mentoring and sponsorship. So in my personal belief, every woman on a leadership path needs to have a dedicated sponsor. She needs to be exposed. Um, and uh, I had the chance to, to have that. So, and, and then you can complement that by female leadership programs to, to nurture the talent and the organization already has. Yeah. And if you look at the second aspect, the work-life balance, I think it's important to think of people-centricity as being family-supportive. And this is for everyone. So, like, for example, the mindset of making flexibility and work time arrangements core to how you operate as a firm. And this does as well apply to those with interests and commitments that have nothing to do with the family. So um, it is taking away their fears of career digression in case of longer leaves or, or, or part-time working requests or really name it for fathers. Um, there have been in the past male colleagues that became fathers where you have more discussions, not particularly in that company, but generally as well in, in my social surrounding where it was like, oh, in my job, I can't request like parental leave. This is just not the style. I mean, this is horrible. Yeah. Um, and if, if we bring that down again to equity, um, I think then we need to support those those people as well in like, for instance, arranging business travel breaks, which in the consulting industry is, is really a relevant factor why people left in the past. I mean, I'm having a baby at home and you go travel five days a week. That's, you know, that's not a life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, on the other side, what can be done as well? And if you want to talk about quotas, um, yes, they do the job very effectively. Okay, thank you. And um, Matthias, when you think of providing greater work-life balance and family supportiveness, how do you balance that with the fact that professional services is there to, to make their clients successful? How do you strike that balance between family life and business performance? So when we are going or when we are building high performance teams um, one of the, the important aspects is really to find the right balance um, and flexibility for our team members to to work in the best way for our clients and this is normally achieved if you find an environment where the team members can manage not only the personal part of their life but then they will also be able um, to concentrate, concentrate and bring their best um, to a project. On the other hand, we also have the, the challenge, of course, to attract and retain talents. 
And therefore, the company culture and the commitments we are giving to the teams, um, which all have high expectations, and this is not only from a, from a company perspective, it's also from a client perspective and our people as well, um, we need to live those towards those commitments and help them, as, as Melanie has, has stated already, um, to be able um, to handle their obligations also outside of work. And um, if you're able um, to choose between your work and life commitments, or you, you, have, you are asking people to make a choice between work and life commitments, then um, it's very often the case that the priorities uh, shift um, to, to the personal things. And that means you are losing talents. And that's terrible for an organization if you want to build knowledge, you want to gain and, and keep experience and also use this knowledge in order to help clients striving and, and getting better every day. So finding the right balance, giving them the flexibility and having a corporate culture which supports that, these are, I think, the three main elements um, you need to, to establish. Right, well, th thanks for that. And, um, you know, I guess some businesses may think that the problem lies in being overly flexible with employees. But what you're saying is the greater risk is to not accommodate, you know, a, a good work-life balance. Yes, correct. Turning our attention to how gender equity is addressed differently across other countries. Matthias, have you any anecdotal evidence you can share? First of all, the values we are talking about are universal values, or at least they should be. Um, nevertheless, a lot of what we are talking about requires a local approach, reflecting not only country specifics and also, to a certain point, the respective starting point. And this is, if you look at it from a, from a European level, of course, from a from a cultural background, from a history perspective, from um, the the norms within the different countries, um, all over a bit different. Nevertheless, when when we have the discussions um, in the FEACO um, with the with the European consulting organizations, then my perception is that the topic of diversity is broadly understood and also actively addressed in all of those associations because um, the war of talent, the ability um, to provide a working environment where men and women are, uh, are able to, to perform and um, to, to have a work-life balance which is important is, is a given everywhere and it's a priority in all of the associations we work with. Thanks. And, and do you ag agree with that, Melanie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the end, uh, independent uh, from the country, we are all humans, right? So yes, I agree with Matthias. And but but the the difficulty lies when you want to pursue such goals on a on a firm wide level. So within Bearing Point, we have offices in 23 countries, mainly in Europe, but as well on the other side of the continent. But even if you stay in Europe, it can feel like a different world when you look at the single countries. So situation in terms of cultural norms with regards to women and motherhood, legislation, infrastructure, support schemes, 
for parents and families, they are all different. And just take two examples. In France, for example, women return to work, most of them full-time, besides if your employer has another arrangement or proposal or support for you, equity here again. So um, this, uh, this is supported by a highly evolved public nursing scheme and, and a huge bunch of private offers we, we would like dream of in Germany. Yeah? In Germany, on the other hand, the national parenting support scheme financially supports longer leaves. This is great, but if you pair this with cultural norms, which can be really brutal, and an economic dependency, so here, hashtag gender pay gap, this leads to the following. Mainly females take a longer break and thus take the potential risk for career advancements later on. And let's not even talk about the problems concerning daycare infrastructure, which is really, for a such developed country as Germany, it's just not at the level where it should meant to be. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a, a term on you that might be familiar as a management consultant. It's a question of think globally, but act locally whereby each country is very different in its legislation, how it supports females in the workplace, but the overall aim is the same, to try and work within the local restrictions that you have, but try and improve things. So, Melanie, finally, do you, do you have any thoughts that you could share with the listeners about putting their ideas into concrete action? Yes, sure. I mean, um, let's, let's put it in a framing of, I mean, we are here discussing in Europe. Um, so we have experienced, I have experienced the European Union since, since I was really a kid. Um, so it's the same. You need to have like overall directive. You need to have an overall vision where best case every country buys into. And then you go locally and see how you need to, to get it implemented, that it fits in a certain norm, in a certain legislation, in a certain organization and, and society structure. Yeah. So to put our goals into action, we created a framework to advance female acceleration on a country by country basis, whereas the framework kind of formulates our vision and ambition across different levers. So what is the approach? Um, we go and assess um, the current status quo and the needs to identify the central challenges of female representation per country. And then our local HR teams work with country or regional leaderships to draft a roadmap action plan based on the assessment results and on the other side that vision uh, which was formulated in the framework and then look at things like, do we need to do more in recruiting or do we need to do something else than we do right now? Do we promote females in an equal way? Is there a gender pay gap um, beside the obvious that we have less leadership uh, females than staff females? Um, do we need to do more to support caregivers? Do we need to do more 
to actively create um, development opportunities for females. Um, and, and then finally, and, and this is not uh, the weakest point um, in the current labor market, how can we do more than our competitors? So, and this uh, is an approach um, in my eyes that can work for any organization. Independent from if you talk about female acceleration or like a complementing framework, which is family supportiveness. Thank you. And Matthias, have you anything to add to that? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned, I think building a corporate culture which supports these objectives is, is key to success. You or the organization also has to practice what you preach. And therefore, it's not only important to create a supportive network for our people and, and especially the women in order to exchange ideas openly to ensure consistency between ideas, ideals and practices. And um, we've started at Bearing Point to do that a couple of years ago to, to actively encourage family supportiveness, which is, of course, important to everyone, so men and women. But, um, of course, it, it has sometimes a bigger impact for women, um, definitely. And then <clears throat> measuring um, the importance and accountability of the outcome of these initiatives, not only internally, is, is a crucial factor. But um, as I said, um, practice what you preach is, is also that we encourage our clients to communicate their commitments to gender equality um, in a broader way, which not only has, an, has, of course, a positive impact on the organization, but also improves and enhances their own employer branding. So um, corporate culture, not only within consulting, but also in the client situation is something which is very important um, to get the mindset right, put the right uh, support initiatives in place and live um, what, you, what you preach. And if I, if I might add something uh, to that, uh, thanks, Matthias, for that really important point. I mean, as in a consultancy, you do most, you work in like a client-supplier relationship, yeah? You provide services. Mm -hmm. um, and really flexibility and activities that we do to support equity, not only for females, need sometimes to be defended in front of our client. Um, there are women that do that very well on their own, but it is our job as, as responsibles, as leaders, to as well say, hey, I mean, maybe you have here um, a women and staff expert on their field, but she's working part-time and she is just not available on Fridays. So um, please accommodate. Yeah, And it's mm -hmm. not... It's not about her to accommodate. It is, it is about making aware that people might work in other flexibility arrangements, that they might have working hours that are not your working hours. And sometimes we just have to stand up as the ones being responsible. Yeah, yeah that makes complete sense. From everything that you said today, um, that last point, it's a difficult one for a consulting 
organization to to maybe wrap its head around but from what you said it, it definitely makes sense and um thank you so much to both of you for your time you're sharing your experiences and your insights and to conclude from from what has been said it's evident that promoting gender equity and female empowerment is not only an ethical imperative but it also has the potential to drive innovation productivity and overall success and that by embracing diversity and fostering an inclusive environment businesses can unlock the full potential of their workforce and thrive in today's competitive landscape so i guess we have this great opportunity to uh, build momentum and continue to break down barriers ensuring a brighter future for everyone employees consultants and their clients and with that thank you everyone for tuning in to talking beyond business's first episode visit bearingpoint.com to learn more about their female leadership and talent development programs and check their annual report for progress updates join us next time as we will discuss how businesses can attain sustainability through empowering people mitigating climate impact and fostering purpose driven organizations thanks a lot chris thanks guys thank you